part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com. All hail for Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth's proclamation. Hail. Hail. This podcast episode will be discussing the most recently released episodes on Netflix. Make sure you have watched them before listening, or you might be spoiled. You have been warned, so it is written, so shall it be done. Hail. Welcome back to Podcast Lilibet, a podcast dedicated to the crown on Netflix. Season six, the final season has arrived, and today we are reviewing season six, episode one, Persona Non Grata, written by the showrunner Peter Morgan and directed by Alex Gabasi. We're going to be talking about this episode up and down, and you've got a couple of people here with you. I'm Matt, of course, and I have with me someone who many refer to as the Prince of Wales. That's Wales with an H. It's Bubba. Bubba, welcome back. Yes. I am so glad to be back. The Crown is, for everybody who's new to Little Bit Podcast, I am someone who is not a royal watcher. I don't know most, most of this history. We're finally getting to history that I guess I knew when I lived through this, and I'm so glad to be back. I think the show, you know, I'll spoil myself. I think the show is firing on all cylinders. Right out the gate. Right out of the gate. We normally would have Susan with us, the Duchess of Truth as well. However, she's a little bit under the weather, so we hope that she gets to feeling better soon. But let's not waste any more time, Bubba. Let's get right into rating this episode. Season 6, Episode 1, Persona Non Grata. It's synopsis. While Princess Diana and the boys depart for their vacation in St. Tropez, Prince Charles is pushing his own recent scheme to validate his relationship with Camila in the public eye. I didn't write that synopsis, folks. Evidently, who released the show wrote that synopsis. Oh, hail Her Royal Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. The Queen shall now hear proclamations of ratings for this episode of The Crown on Netflix. Baba, how would you rate this episode in, uh, I guess, doubles this time around? I would give this first episode of season six, I'd give it nine double Bs out of ten. Double Bs? Double Bs. If you watch this episode, what do you want? A bigger boat. Nine bigger boats out of ten. Heck yeah. (laughs) This was... There's so many things I can't wait to talk about. I'm going to try to just say that the opening bit set in Paris, and everybody who knows the history knows the significance of Paris. It, I was breathless watching it, like, oh my goodness, we are getting to it. And then just everything in it was fascinating. I, I think almost the format of this episode was fascinating because this is a show for five and a half seasons. Queen Elizabeth was the focus, was the star. And I'm watching this episode and I'm like, Queen Elizabeth is kind of like a supporting character, almost a minor supporting character in this episode. And it was kind of that way at the end of season five. This is a show about Diana and it was fascinating. Uh, Maybe I'm giving up my age a bit, but I thought, oh, Camilla's 50th birthday party. It actually looked pretty fun. Uh, Where would I rather be at that party or in Saint-Tropez? Yes, I'd rather be in Saint-Tropez, but it was, uh, you know, it was just fascinating. 
a lot of terrible uh, men in this episode. And in some ways, I don't think Prince Charles, the character in this episode, is truly one of the worst. I thought Moo Moo was a terrible wingman, what he was doing to his son. Dodie, what he was doing to his fiance, was even worse. I think Charles, yes, there's a lot of negativity and bitterness in there. But in some ways, he's the best champion you would ever want. Somebody really fighting for you, in this case, fighting for Camilla. And so even Prince Philip, I disliked more than Charles in this episode. Nine out of ten. So glad to be back. Can't wait to talk even more about this episode. What did you think, Matt? What's your rating out of ten? I was just a little under you. I mean, just slightly under you, which is a very big rarity for us. Uh, Normally, I'm usually much higher than you because... I can't read anything lower than a seven, but I am going to only give it 8.9 out of 10. What I, I started thinking that I was going to say triple R's, triple R's rushed Riviera romances. Uh, (laughs) But instead I'm going to go with triple M's. Oh, okay. Good. Wait, triple M's. Yeah. Moo moo manipulations. Uh, I just cannot stand moo moo right now after watching this episode. I, no. I'm with you on on how what a despicable character he seems to be. Man, you got to give it up for that actor though. So uh, is Salim Daw? Is that his name? I can't remember. He an amazing, uh, an amazing performance of somebody who just doesn't give a bleep and uh, only he wants, wants what, what he wants, he wants for him. Yeah, you know? he wants what he wants, and he's going to go a hundred percent for it. And in, in some stories, you would love that, but when it runs roughshod over other people, yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, it was really tough. There, one of my, I mean, for the most part, because I know this first four episodes, I haven't seen any more of the episodes, but this first four episodes I know is going to kind of encapsulate the entire thing that goes around Diana, which is why she may feel very much like the star of the show to you right now, because I think they need to get most of this stuff out of the way, and then they're going to skip ahead um, to some other stuff that happens in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully that's not too spoilery, but I think we'll see a a very large concentration in these four episodes of Diana, and then less, of course, in the uh, the following episodes that come back in part two, December 14th. The thing that I really, and I understand how you were like being thrown right into it with that scene in Paris. Yes. For those of you who may be too young to know or have not looked up, um, what we witnessed was Diana's accident. I just want to say that right off the bat. Um, and no, we did not, quote, see it, just as right. uh, Peter Morgan said that we would not see it. We but man, we lived it. I mean, it yes. was just as traumatic for me in the way that it was presented as if I had just seen the car turn or tumble. Oh. You know, it was awful. Uh, and so yes. that took a little bit off for me. Hmm. Um I continue, Bubba, to just be so amazed at the way that this show uses glass uh, when it's framing its shots. It's one of the most fascinating things I've found throughout the entirety of this series. Every director does all of this stuff so great or uses reflections and all of this stuff. And you can place whatever kind of emotional or metaphorical context that you want in some of that. But I was freaked out by that. Uh, I guess it was a, a reflection of Diana in that piano lid during that scene mm-hmm. with her and, and Dodie. I mean, that just amazed me. It almost didn't look real. It was that that piano lid was polished so well. <laughs> of course, you would expect Moo Moo's 
you know, oh, yeah. crew, crew to keep everything perfectly clean like that. How, how am I supposed to go to my yacht if there's not a baby grand piano in there? I mean, come on. A, a double P, actually a triple P, a perfectly P. polished piano. Yes. I mean, oh, man, the lavish wealth these people have. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, it just it, it freaked me out. It really did when I watched it. I hate to say that, uh, or, or to say seem so weird about it or something, but it just it, it just seemed surreal. Almost, I don't want to I don't want to go and say there was a visual effect added that to clear it up or something like that. But man, it just seemed really wild, and it didn't really affect me one way emotionally or the other, except for the fact that I was just freaked out by the shot. But overall, I thought it was a fantastic episode, a great start to the season. I can see why that Parisian shot was put in there, even though it disturbed me greatly. And and I did deduct a little bit for that, simply because they got into the semantics of it. But obviously, this is just as we had in season five with the boat being the bookend. This is the bookend for part one. Mm -hmm. Um, We will get whatever we get up until episode four which i think will actually deal more with the aftermath that was also covered in the movie the queen but uh that's one of those things that i i completely understand it but it still just disturbed me uh it's fantastic start though all of the acting performances are great the shots are shot beautifully yes i just want to get to it real drama we have spent so much time with these characters that we know their wants their desires their frustrations and so it's real. In in some ways, you know, this is really the classic thing of people in rooms talking. And how is that dramatic? It's dramatic because we know their wants, we know their desires, we know what drives them and what and what makes them sad. I, I once again, I, I'm only going nine out of ten because I, I somehow think the season can get even higher highs. Love it. Yeah, I got to leave some space too. Majesty Queen Elizabeth II approves these proclamations of ratings. So it is written, so shall it be done. But folks, we've told you what you what we think. What do you think about these first four episodes of The Crown? You can let us know about any of them at any time. Our plan is to release this episode just covering the first episode, and then we will talk about the music for all four episodes, and then we will wrap up. Hopefully, Susan will be feeling better by then, and we can talk about the other three. And then, of course, we will return. Uh, I don't know how sporadic we'll be during the uh, the holiday season because of schedules and things like that. But we'll definitely get part two covered to you by no later than the middle of January. <laughs> Please. You should have all of the episodes by then, is all I'm saying. We should we should be completely done with our watch by then. Bubba's tr- just begging for a vacation because you, Double P is also covering right now another uh, fascinating story featuring another actress who played Diana. Uh, Emma Corrin is playing in uh, A Murder at the End of the World. And Double P is doing a Let's Solve type of show for that, right? That's exactly right. A new show that, depending where you are in the world, it's either on Hulu or on Disney Plus or on Star Plus or Hot Star. Uh, That's branded differently all around the world. But it's a murder mystery. We put together the clues in each episode to solve who done it. 
And so, yeah, Emma Corrin, who played the younger version of Princess Di on The Crown, she's the lead in this new show. Very fascinating, very much tense and moody. And please join us if you're interested in Let's Solve a Murder at the End of the World. You can, of course, find all of the videos for those at the Double P Media YouTube, youtube.com slash at the word double, the letter P, the word media. And if you want to contact us with your feedback about this show, we would love to hear from you. You can use the word double, the letters PHQ, that stands for Podcast Headquarters, at uh, just about all of the socials these days, Instagram, uh, the site formerly known as Twitter, all of those things, even facebook.com slash the word double, the letters PHQ. Or you can contact me on that site, formerly known as Twitter, at LillibitPod. You can also send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. And we want to hear from you. And Bubba will be the first to testify to you that my contests are too hard. But I'm going to give away a $100 oh. gift card from wow. Amazon mm. uh, once again. Uh, I'm just draining my pockets this season. I did it for busting blockbusters for the Wheel of Time. I'm doing it once again uh, for podcasts a little bit and the Crown. And so you can just select whatever you want. If it's one, if you want Crown stuff, I suppose you can try and get it there, or you can just get whatever you want from Amazon. You can get some of those great books that we gave away last season for the Crown. And the way that you do, the way you participate in this contest is, I have a YouTube video out on my own personal channel, which I don't publish too much on, but I will leave the link in the show notes. You click on that, and there are five words that I have hysterically and historically mispronounced. Uh, and so you will get those mispronunciations. Whoever guessed the most of the correct answers of what they were intended to be is the winner, or if there's a tie, we will, of course, randomly draw the winner between those who guess the most. I'll give you a hint right now. The first one is one syllable. The second one is two syllables. The third one is three syllables. The fourth one is three syllables. And the fifth one is one syllable. But that's also on the YouTube video. So you don't have to worry about whether I spoke that out too fast. Uh, Bubba will testify to the fact that I mispronounce things all of the time. And sometimes yeah, it makes Limiting it, it to five is, is going to be very difficult. Yeah, well, I, I figure that... Uh, they're they're so mispronounced that we might only get one or two people who can guess three of them correctly. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I I'm I'm amazing at how bad I mispronounce things as I go, or because I'm talking too fast, or I skip ahead to where I shouldn't be, and those kinds of things. So that is our contest this time around. I don't want to waste any more time, so I only spent sixty five seconds giving you a recap. final season begins with Parisian calling emergency services after a car speeds by and the sounds of it crashing in a tunnel are heard. We then travel back in time eight weeks and our story takes on two fronts. The first front, Charles is planning Camilla's 50th birthday party and wants Queen and Mummy to attend. She'd rather go to Derbyshire and continues to point out her approval of the relationship. Princess Margaret attends the party, however, and is quite struck with Charles and Camilla's relationship and tells the Queen to lighten up, despite Philip playing the role of protecting his Queen by telling her that to attend would be inappropriate. By the end of the episode, Elizabeth calls her son and tells him that she's happy that he's happy. On the second front, Persona Nagrata Diana visits the Prime Minister Tony Blair for a game of football and a plea to get more involved with the government. 
who takes the request to Elizabeth, but she puts it down. Next up, Diana is off to San Tropez with the kids to take Moomoo up on his offer. Moomoo orders his son Dodie to come help with the entertaining, but once Dodie arrives, Moomoo leaves the entertaining to him, trying to play matchmaker. Dodie's fiance Kelly Fisher, however, is very unhappy. By the end of the episode, Diana has made a deal with the press, garnered attention of the press away from Camilla, and returns home to an elaborate invitation from Dodie, asking her to join him in Paris the next week. Okay. Wow. Normally what we do here, Bubba, is we spin a wheel. A tiny wheel of topics. It's very small. The lettering is usually so small that I can't read it. Mm-hmm. So let's give that wheel a spin, and you're going to have to tell me what topic comes up. Oh, well, look at that. It is what I call the former lead character in this show, Queen Elizabeth's Dilemma. Queen okay. Elizabeth in this episode is initially doesn't take it as a dilemma when she's talking with Charles, but when she's talking to Tony Blair, it is a bit of a dilemma for her. Her former daughter by marriage is who she used to be. Tony Blair says it quite plainly. When Diana talks, the world listens. That used to be Queen Elizabeth. And she hears it and she kind of has to take it on the chin. Hashtag ice cold. Ouch. But again, when her son comes in, Charles, she's not going to have it. Listen, I'm not going. Yeah, you can give me all the reasons why I could, and I certainly could if I wanted to. I'm not going. And then she talks to her sister, who did attend Camilla's 50th birthday party, and her reserve breaks a little bit. She also has that very brief scene with her husband, Prince Philip. So what do you think of her dilemma? How do you support your child who you love? in their wants and desires if you don't agree with their wants and desires it is tough what do you what do you think of the queen's place in this world man well uh just on behalf of charles here it's very hard to hear news from your mother that she loves cars luxury cars more than she does your son um, man. secondly i mean that that that's ice cold right there <laughs> but, that to me is like no. I'd rather I'd rather go send off new Rolls Royces um, than see your mother, uh, your 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 future wife or your your lover. I yeah. will not do this, and she mm-hmm. stands on her end. So that that's that's tough. I think the Diana dilemma is a little bit tougher for her, simply for the fact that the way I'm interpreting it is she still has a lot of empathy for Diana. But she also has a lot of disappointment towards Diana because she sees Diana kind of falling into the same pitfalls over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I'm not so sure that it's jealousy so much as she just wishes that Diana would settle down and be quiet. (laughs) Uh, That's the impression that I get from all That's what she's wanted this whole time. (laughs) Yeah, well, she wants everybody to settle down and be quiet. Uh, That is the royal way, Mm -hmm. right? So... Um, you know, she's gotten on to Philip for being a little bit too wild with carriages and hanging out with younger girls and things yep. like that, uh, and ballerinas and, and what have you back in season two. So I, you know, the, the Royal way as, uh, you know, all of her, all of her press sec or all of her, uh, personal secretaries, private secretaries have taught her very well. She's not allowed to be a person anymore. 
um she's only allowed to be a, a symbol and Correct. when somebody keeps her from being that symbol uh because of these personal things um i think it i think it probably anchors her a little bit well why don't we talk about this the one thing we were talking before the show and she does have that scene with her husband prince philip and prince philip calls you know camilla like you know you can't be seen with somebody inappropriate and we we all agreed there's like no way anybody could agree with prince philip his behavior's the worst and so it's just it's just shocking that the person sticking up for hey you got to be this way is this always wrong prince philip yeah the thing for me with philip is i feel like in this particular instance he's in the right what matt matt no we just talked about this no one could think that i didn't say that i i, I said oh, okay. that, that what philip's behavior yeah. in earlier periods didn't match what the symbol should be seems to me that he's kind of cured himself of that hmm. so much to the point that he's even fulfilling uh, her daddy George's uh, Albert's job uh, requirement for Philip even better. He's making so? the, he's making the argument. He's protecting the crown by telling her she can't go. It's mm. it's she is more so than just seeing her as the queen of the government. She is the head of the church, and the church has not yet given that doctrine that says, "Hey, it's okay to remarry after you're divorced and all that stuff." She can't stand on the leg being the head of the church to do that now she could have definitely been more diplomatic with charles instead of just saying she could have said look i'm the head of the church i can't endorse this and for me to appear would be seen as a, an endorsement which is exactly what philip says and yep. i feel like that she is she's she's letting philip give her permission to do what she wants to do anyway and it's not that she doesn't want to be happy for Charles. We see at the end of the episode, she tells him that she's happy for him. She's happy that he's happy. And so I feel like that in the end, it's just the job. It's the same thing that her grandmother Mary told her in the very first season. It's like, you can't be you anymore. Well, I, I'm just shocked that you agreed with the villains. You know, first Prince Philip, and then you were like, Moo Moo did a great job, and Dodie. I you said, should no always such have thing. a woman on the side who's formerly married to Prince Charles. I think, Matt, it's shameful that you would do it, especially when you're, you're, you pointed it out earlier. Philip is a triple P, philandering Philip with ballerinas, with carriage rides, and now he gets to say, Oh, you can't do that. So it's what's good for the goose is not good for me. Sc screw the gander. To hell with it. To hell with Prince Philip and his bad advice. Thank you, Matt, for agreeing. His job was not to protect himself, Bubba. His he job, didn't. Yeah, he was terrible. Yeah, he's really bad at protecting himself. His job is to protect his queen, and that's now, all he's trying now, to do. Now, this first tiny wheel of topics, we are on the queen, uh, and maybe we should wait to talk about this next subject, because what did you think of the symbolism, or maybe just the fact, Prince Charles is there, in Buckingham Palace, and there's a frigging mouse. There's a mouse in the house. There's this little thing. Now, was the mouse representative of Charles, of this little unimportant thing, trying to squeak and get attention? Or was the mouse a sign that this house is falling apart? 
we need to be living on yachts and mansions in San Tropez rather than this castle, which we can't upkeep. It's interesting that you should say that because of my, I didn't really see a metaphor in it for Charles for himself. Mm-hmm. I saw, I saw it more as like, uh, he saw the mouse and he's like, yeah, this is an old monarchy. This is an old place. It needs new leadership, which is something that Charles has been pining for, for two seasons. And, uh, the fact that he doesn't tell the servant, the butler about it. Yeah. That new shows, it shows that he's just like, let it fall apart. I'll pick up the pieces. Well, wow. So that that's, so you're saying the mouse really is more about Charles than the queen herself. Oh, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying that the mouse is about the queen. I'm saying that the mouse is a representative of this monarchy that is run down, that is allowing infestation. Oh, see, I thought the mouse represented Prince Philip and his terrible ideas. And when like, you know, when, when like Prince Charles is about to out the bad ideas of Prince Philip, it scurries under furniture so it can't be seen because it can't stand its weak ideals. But I mean, they're both the same. You can never accuse Philip of being cheesy, Bubba. (laughs) <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, anything else you want to say about the queen? It's obvious that, well, well, let me say, I think I took it a bit different from you. Okay. That I I think, I thought it was real icy when Tony Blair was talking about, hey, you know, we had this talk about Diana. Look at how she can get things done with landmines. And to me, the queen was being stung. I mean, she's, you know, stiff upper lip. She's very composed. But to me, the character was very much like, you know, just taking body blows with this. And so it's interesting that you say she might still have some compassion for Diana. To me, it's just like I, she wanted Diana to go away. Once again, this is a, a fictional version. I'm talking about the TV show version. But that's the way that scene with Tony Blair read to me. Okay. I think I think it's a fair interpretation. I find it interesting that we find basically coming from different from opposite sides Mm -hmm. i think what you're seeing in the queen there more so than being hurt by what diana's doing or the possibility that diana might have more power Mm -hmm. is the fact that she still resents very much the fact that two marriages have been ruined that she is the head of a church and that under that church laws you cannot get divorced Mm -hmm. you shouldn't get divorced and you especially can't remarry afterwards um, which now Diana, no longer being part of the royal family, is free to do what she wants to do. Charles is never going to be free what he wants to do. I think there's some extra resentment there towards Diana because of that. But uh, I also find that she sees Diana as someone who just can't shut up. And she, I almost feel like she feels sorry for her in a way like that. Like, I didn't I didn't read it that way. That's fascinating okay. that you did, but I just did not. Okay. Fair enough. Let's spin the wheel. Bubba, where did it land? What else do we have to talk about here? Oh, sorry. I actually minimized uh, the wheel. Why why I thought you were gonna pick. Sorry. I I, read I, I can never one. I can't the lettering's too small. I can never see it. What does it say? This says uh, Matt's bad opinions on Prince Philip. No, let's spin it again. Spin it again. We've already covered that. Okay, ooh, here we go. And it's talking about someone else who is an older person who you actually did attack earlier. And that's Moo Moo Does a Boo Boo is what the title of this section is. And it's about how he's trying to set up his son who has a fiance 
with with Diana. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. This character who we did spend time with last season, and we do understand his motivations, his desires. But holy smokes, man, you got to be kidding me. This is not this is not what you do. This is not what you do. Or maybe it is what you do. If if you really disapprove of your son and his his inability to, you know, live up to the standard you want for him, maybe you do ruin a ruin an engagement. Ooh, what do you think, Matt? What do you think of Moo Moo just really being um, you know, like you watch this and if this is true, let's never shop at Herod's again. This is terrible. Yeah, I mean Moo Moo. The character Mumu. Yes, I can't exactly. Say anything say for Muhammad Al Fayed himself. Yes. Um, although we do know that he had a great deal of fascination with the royals, yes. uh, but we we don't know that anything that he ever did was nefarious. And I I'm, I do know that we'll cover in our history notes later on that he actually did call Dodi, told Dodi to come to the boat. Um, that that was something that allegedly actually happened. Right. So. Um, there does seem to be a hint of manipulation there. On the other hand, um, this guy is always looking out for number one. He's been fascinated with Diana forever. And I think he, I'm not sure, even the way that he presents his children when he introduces them to Diana, him and his second wife's children. Very young children. He, he is an old dad. Yeah. Well, his his wife's several several years younger than him, right? So yeah, so he, he um, yeah, everything to him comes across as a possession. Mm. And to me, I think Diana is just another possession to have in, have in the in in the mantle, you know, um, which is very unfortunate because it it just it comes across, especially the way it comes across in pertaining to Dodie and to Kelly Fisher because he never gave Kelly Fisher a chance. Mm. On the other hand, let's look is at, it, is at, it, is it just because for, for lack of a better word, she's not a Royal. She doesn't have the, she doesn't have the golden ticket because she, she's, you know, obviously beautiful. It, she's obviously successful. She's, you know, there's, there's her, a lot it, to it, like. It is her commonality. Mm, good point. Um, okay. Dodie, I think in last season, even pointed pointed out that you know his new wife, the mother of these children, at the time, uh, was I, somewhat of a socialite, I suppose. Even though she was also something else, you know. For him, I think it's all about the status. I really, I, I, I think you're right. Um, but Kelly didn't ask for any of this it's one of those things where i just felt terrible from Dodie's position what because he's being told he's not good enough for his father that he's never been good enough for his father you know what his dad loved him when he made that chariots of fire movie and he won an oscar well, that was just fine he was on the road to for, to his father accepting him mm -hmm. in some way meeting a, a certain standard that his father expected of him but you know, dud after dud after dud after dud. <laughs> what's Mumu gonna do? You got you gotta you gotta set your son down and say you got to do something with your life, kid, because making movies ain't it. And and so one of the things that 
he does is he sets a standard of a woman upon Dodie that Dodie mm. can never reach and truly be in love until this thing with Diana starts to happen. And I'm still not sure they're in love because it, it you know, it's just starting to happen. So I don't. This is why we need some our co-host Holly or our co-host Susan to be on this episode because. You know, you started off with a really good point about how Mumu thinks of everything as a possession, including a wife and a woman. And this is, is it just flat out sexism? Is it sexism tied to his, you know, low self-esteem because of he had to work his way up? I mean, it, it is it is rough. Yeah, th th there are many things and wrong directions to take the motivations of this, I mm -hmm. think, uh, without giving proper respect to culture and and all of that so i don't want to i don't want to go into that into the why so much it, i as this character is i just say it is um so uh, because the why i mean there's lots of room for haters from everywhere to go one way or the other about that and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give that voice but the aspect of it being a possessive type of thing is mm -hmm. evident in the show yeah. and um to Mumu, Dodie's Kelly Fisher is a trinket mm. as opposed to something that is, you know, valuable, which is terribly unfortunate. I'm not that I'm in Kelly Fisher's corner on this or anything. You know, I'm not promoting one, one woman over another. That's way beyond my pay grade. So I'm, I'm not doing any of that. But I'm just saying that the I think the way Mumu looks at it makes me a lot more disgusted with him than seeing him just buying David David's old place in France because you know he was fascinated with the royals that didn't bother me you want to possess that that's a possession to have people are not possessions and it, it was very disturbing this episode for me and then you know to leave Dodie high and dry on it sending his fiance <laughs> to another boat oh to a separate boat, making Dodie go back and forth in between, um, which I, I think he was probably hoping that Dodie didn't go back and forth in between. I was hoping that I think he was hoping that he'd just stay on the main boat. Well, well, maybe we should uh, let's not spin the wheel, but let's let's bring Dodie into this, even though he's is he he is his own topic on this uh, wheel of topics. Dodie, for all the. You know, I consider him just as terrible for for going along with this, for putting his fiance through this. When when she's on the phone and she's like, "Hey, I'm going to come there. I should come there, right?" And he says, "If you want to," and he is very much all but saying, "Don't come to her." That is horrific. That is terrible. I know relationships go through up and downs, but Dodie is just as bad. I mean, almost as bad as his father, maybe just as bad. I mean, this is not a good look. I will say that you definitely there's some of those conversations between him and, and Kelly were as disturbing to me as some of Mumu's intentions and actions. Um, because he's, he's, to me, Fisher is trying to communicate, trying to find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And Dodie is in a state of avoidance. And is that because he, he lacks a stomach for confrontation? Or is that because he can't be bothered with it? Let's get to it, Matt. 
There's the show portrayal of Kelly Fisher and the show portrayal of Princess Di. The show, because it's not really focused on this relationship, the show doesn't show us Dodie and Kelly having fun and in fights with ice cubes. The show shows us that with Diana. And so it's natural where if you're, if this is what we're being presented, we as an audience are being drawn to see, okay, he is having trouble with Kelly. It's unhappy. Why not go with the option of Diana? Is is it that simple? Or what do you, if you're Dodie, you don't like Pavarazzi. He didn't like it. You could tell on his expression when seeing it, he didn't like it. But on the flip side, Kelly is always disappointed with him because of his own behavior, where Diana isn't. Is that a weakness of Dodie to, to naturally be drawn to Diana? Take it from here. We, put yourself in Dodie's shoes. What do you do? I think that's something that has been instilled in Dodie. Because when you when you look at the at go back to season five and you look at some of the things that Mumu went through as a kid. And the kind of rationale and philosophy of life that he developed as he grew richer, as he grew more, as he did, you know, or from selling Coke bottles to whatever. Mm -hmm. um, just continually moving up the ladder and the kind of coldness that it has to take. And I believe that Dodie likely was brought up in a home culture that applauded that right so what does he actually he he obviously he's old enough now to grow up and make his own decisions obviously he's faced off with his father before about certain things but how, he how keeps strong. returning and yes. what 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 is the origin of that mm -hmm. um i think that that explains a lot of Dodie's behavior with kelly and with diana I, now, what happens along the way of those paths could have been different or may never have been meant to be anything except what they turned out to be. But, you know, he grew. Diana was like this obligation that he was fulfilling for his father at first. By the end of the episode, she's definitely something more to him than that. Kelly was the person that he was truly passionate about. What we're seeing is the dissolving of that because the stronger obligation is to his father. And as a result, he's starting to question his own feelings about Kelly. It is tough. It is tough to see him be like this. It is. He's he's avoiding the truth and he, he thinks he has a, a, a exit ramp from his life. And that's what Diana is. And it's it's tough to watch. Last season, there was a part of me of like, it felt like we spent time with Moo and Dodie too soon in the story because they really didn't have much to really affect the main story until the final episode. But now I guess I understand why they did it because we're jumping into this season and we already have a handle on them. And so we're able to see this, these conflicts and work. But again, it's, when you look at it from Diana's perspective, she shouldn't be with any of these bumps. You know, like if he's mm. got a fiance, Diana, I know your life is tough. You're alone. You don't have anybody who can really support you and understand you. And so, but she shouldn't, she shouldn't be with Dodie either. Like she should not be, she shouldn't be around 
Charles anymore because he's such a he's so toxic towards her. And more, he, he's not even toxic towards her. He's more toxic to anything that prevents Camilla from shining. And then Dodie is another one that she should not be with. Oh, mm. well, let, let's spin the wheel and see if Diana comes up. All right, let's spin it. I, I did. I think that says Diana. No, it so, says Tony Blair. How odd. Like he really wasn't in the episode much. Why did you put him on the wheel of topics here, Matt? Okay, we'll talk about him. Sure. He, how about this? Since uh, he's on the topic wheel here, Tony Blair, is, you see him kind of dressing up. Am I looked correct? Am I ready to have Diana come up? And, and so it's like, you know, we see all these prime ministers, you know, about, oh my goodness, I'm going to meet the queen. I've got to do this protocol and all this stuff. And he seems, you know, almost more excited to see her, Diana, excuse me, than he ever was to, okay, I'm going to go in and meet the queen. This is, this is showing us as an audience, if we are too young to remember, how big a presence Diana was in the world. And, you know, he's standing in front of the mirror. He's like, okay, is this the right, is the cowboy cowboy boots on? Is this the right look? This is the right look. Yes, we're going to go, going to go play some football. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know. He, he wanted to look casual without actually. Right. Uh, yes, but but still give the impression that he had he had he put in some time, mm -hmm. which was very interesting. Um, I think that Tony Blair lost it for me, at least the character, when he tried to sponsor the Britannia, when he when he tried to you know put a toothpaste label on on the Britannia last season. So nothing that he does I see as anything other than superficial right now at least as a character. I think the more interesting aspect is his wife and how she's making fun of him for it, you know, for, for having Diana along as, and, and, <laughs> and then telling her kids, a future King is coming for a play date. You know, I love that. I, I think his wife is cool. I, I love his wife. I don't know how I feel about him other than the fact that, you know, if you if you want to sponsor the royal boat with, you know, uh, the Energizer bunny, uh, I ain't got much to say for you. Uh, on the other hand, Diana is there. So I'm going to spin the wheel again. There's only one topic on the wheel left. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Camilla, she's the only topic left. This Who created this wheel? <laughs> Matt, well, what do you want to say about Camilla? And then I'll talk about Diana. But she's not on the wheel, Matt. You you created this wheel and didn't put the main character of the show on it. Ridiculous. I can't believe this. Well, Camilla, how do you feel? I think Camilla's got a good head on her shoulders. But what's interesting is I don't know if the show has ever truly shown when Camilla's fondness for Charles truly became the love of her life. Like we realize if we've been watching the show that Charles has... Charles has loved Camilla his whole life. She really is the woman that he's always been in love with. Sure. But what's funny is through all these seasons, I'm not sure I ever really saw Camilla being like, yeah, Charles, you're the one I'm in love with. And even in, in this episode, he is moving, you know, trying to move heaven and earth for her. And yet it's not that she's not fond for him. It's not that she doesn't like him. It's maybe not even that the character doesn't even love him. But there is a, there is not an evenness in their outward affection of love, I guess I would say. And so that's always still fascinating to see. In some ways, she's the perfect woman for Charles because she almost is more level-headed sometimes than he is with his flights of fancy. But um, 
I don't know. Does the show need to convince me that Camilla is as crazy about Charles as he is about her? Uh, can I just cite one thing? Sure. And, and that is Camilla brought Mark Boland into Charles's life. I mean, that's a clear indication that she doesn't care about him at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. Coming. He is such oh, an incompetent. I that's swear a nice to God. Twist there, Matt. That's a nice twist. Uh, yeah, I didn't see that one coming. Okay, I you agree. You you've shed a whole new light on this relationship. So good. Uh, I you know what? I, I, because I I I think that there was probably this duality for Camila Parker Bowles, the character in the show. Yeah. Right up until the time that her relationship with her husband was over, mm. and okay. I think that. That was painful for her probably. And, but once she got past that, the pain of, and I was under the impression by the television show that he kind of always knew, but just kind of looked the other way. Hmm. Okay. But uh, when it came, became so public because of Diana, Diana's books and all that stuff, there was no choice. Something had to be done. Hmm. And, and um, then she's got this guy, this Prince, this Prince Charming. Uh, Prince Charles, who <laughs> is not Prince Charming all the time, but it, but this guy who genuinely cares about her. And I don't want to say that he's a fallback, but damn, that's a hell of a fallback to have, isn't it? Mm. Matt, so good. Listeners, we haven't said this enough during all this talk, but we're just stating our opinions. We want to know your opinions. And as we always say, we're really just talking about these characters in this fictionalized portrayal, not the real people. So I would love to know what you guys think. Because once again, I was not really following the royal family in any way when this was happening in real life. I, you know, I don't know how much is true, how much isn't true. I'm watching this as a fictionalized version, which I understand is a fictionalized version. And these characters and their choices and their true desires. I was talking about how we know everybody's wants and desires. To me, Camilla's is still a bit uh, clouded in smoke, I guess I would say. It, it's it's a little rainy, but I didn't even notice it was raining. Yeah. Uh, one other thing about Camilla, though, that I yeah. really found fascinating okay. was that there is a quality that Camilla has that Margaret noticed and and told Elizabeth about, and that is the fact that Charles truly is himself around her. Mm. Now, I don't know why someone who's such a staunch proponent of being a symbol would be impressed by that and call Charles at the end of the episode and say, I'm happy that you're happy. Although that's not really saying, that's not really saying I approve. That's just saying I'm happy yes. that you're happy. Um, but Margaret recognizing that about Camila, I think says a lot about Camila and um, their relationship in a way. Um, so I don't want to, you know, my my Mark Bola joke was really just that, a joke. But Yeah, if anybody doesn't remember, he's the PR guy touting these small headlines about the success of the 50th birthday party. Ooh. Look, we're on page 2A Ouch, yeah. and 3C, whereas oh. Diana's only on the front page. Oh, and 13B. <laughs> oh, and so. 14B, and 15B, and 16B, and 17B, and 18B. Wow. wow. Okay, so Diana. I got to well, talk a little bit about Diana and, she's and the not kids. on the wheel. 
Okay. Yeah. I do want to talk about William. Great performance by this young actor mm. as uh, young Prince William Rufus Campa. Campa. I hope is uh, Rufus, how he pronounces his last name. I thought he was great. So let's hear it, Matt. What do you want to say? Well, William, I mean, regardless of what you think about him in real life now or, or what have you, forget that. Mm -hmm. When he's a sure. kid, it seems to me that he really has his mother's best interest in mind when he's making these suggestions. I, She initially goes, and this was historically tied in, but uh, and some extra drama was added to it. Um, but that when Diana went out to those boats, when they went out to Rupert Modoc's boat uh, in real life, it was because she was requesting that the press lay off of them because William and and Harry both had said, can we just move out of Britain so the paparazzi's not following us around everywhere? Wow. Um, that's according to Newsweek. And then we'll cover mm -hmm. more of that in the in the history notes. But here, of course, they drama they they add a little more drama. Well, I'm gonna get up in this really nice bathing suit, which actually it's all of those costumes are pretty accurate to what she was wearing during that trip. If you go back and you look at mirror photographs and all that. But uh, you know, they made it more like she was showing out to show up Camila. When in actuality, she went out there on the 14th of July, and Camila's birthday party wasn't until the 18th. So, uh, you know, it, 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 they they spiced it up for drama's sake, and I'm cool with that. I have no problem with that. Um, but I love the fact that it was William and Harry who were always like, you know, what's William? He's wanting to play Street Fighter 2 because he doesn't want to get his picture taken all the time. Who can blame the kid? I don't think anybody can blame him so young going through that. Once again, I just thought it was a, a really good performance by a young actor. Yeah. What did you think of his kind of sizing her up before they got back um, and she got the invitation to Paris from Dodie? Um, what well, did you it's, it's she says goodbye to Dodie on the dock and then hops into the little smaller boat to be, you know, brought to a, a train station or wherever they were going to. Right. And that look he gives his mom, we saw in previous seasons, the way these characters interact is that she kind of was, because she didn't have anybody, she was leaning on him to to kind of help with problems and issues that he was too young to really dive into. And because of that, I think that's that's who he became. And it's definitely who someone, you know, someone looking in in sizing up an adult at a pretty young age and probably sizing them up correctly. And so uh, it's a shame he didn't, he's too young as a character to say, you know, mom, stay away from that guy too. <laughs> you know, he's going to show us the James Bond set, but otherwise, uh, you know, you can do better. Well, yeah. And even if she listened to him a little bit, would she listen to him totally? Uh, but I, I just, I just saw again, like you said, that actor did such a good job because to me, William looked really concerned when he saw that yes. look on Diana's face mm -hmm. that she was just kind of like, Oh, I kind of like this guy, you know, um, as, as they were going away and, and he's like, Oh no, here we go again. Possibly. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's okay. the impression that I got anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, anything else about Diana other than fabulous swimsuits, man, the girl knew how to dress. She she was amazing, all kinds of class. Uh, terrible shot with ice cubes. 
she needs she needs to hone she needed to hone that skill a little better well um, how old is diana actually at this time or supposed to be at this time i suppose 40s 40 years old if if camilla's 50 and camilla was like a year older than charles so maybe 38 what what, what would princess dio's age have been at this time the reason why i'm asking is because we had that uh simple but powerful description of prince charles was that he was you know he was always old for his age he's you know acting like an old man when he's a young man and diana was acting always like uh, as a teenage you know she's in her 20s and she's acting like a teenager and so the ice fight is a perfect example and then how about this laughing at jumanji the first jumanji is another sign that this is a character who is young at heart and young in spirit and maybe young in mind, you know, that a silly ice fight like that is the highlight of her day. Yeah. So, um, she was uh, born in 61, which would have made her what? 36 at the time. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So still, you know, you can be an old 36 or you can be a young 36. You could be a 36 year old acting like you're in your fifties, like Charles would have been, or you can be, her like you're 36 and still acting like you're you know in your early 20s so not that either is right or wrong but i think that's a portrayal of diana that's been rather consistent across these seasons yeah and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna preach one way or the other on this because believe me how mothers choose to mother their children is completely up to them as far as i'm concerned but uh doesn't diana come across to you as and again, these are just the character and just the stereotypical uh, kind of categories here. Doesn't she come across as the cool mom, always trying to be the cool mom? <laughs> because that's the impression I get from her is that she's always okay. trying to be the cool mom. Um, and again, that's your parenting style. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, but it, it just, that's the impression that I get. And that's where I think an over attempt at some of the youthfulness sometimes comes into play sure okay the other thing i would say is doty on her end i mean he's fun he's good with the kids mm-hmm. um is that it what What do you think her attraction to doty is he's rich you know he gives, gives many flowers and great presents why why would she be attracted to this man who has a fiance based on the show's betrayal uh I don't know that we've seen enough. I mean, this this whole trip was a course of 10 days. Okay. I mean, I, love at first sight, maybe. I don't know. But it didn't appear to be that way to me. It seemed to be like just some kind of connections just starting to occur. He's to honest with her, you know, like rather than just say, oh, yeah, my fiance. That, you know, he has a an interesting scenario he's in. and um you know, once again, he's completely honest with her where maybe other people in her life weren't always so honest with her. He's paying attention to her, which is something that she's never had. Her father Mm -hmm. never paid attention to her. Charles certainly never paid attention to her. Um, The doctor that she had in season five, he didn't pay that much attention to her. He's totally giving his attention to her. And not that that's, that's not a bad thing. If, If you're somebody who has been in Diana's position and growing up the way that she did with a father who was completely absent from her life mm-hmm. and made it a point to be, you, you got to find some way to fill that void. I think, and, and, well, you've got to find a way to deal with that issue. 
however you end up dealing with it, I guess I should say. Um, and Jody's absolute attention to her, maybe not for the proper reasons, maybe because he's trying to get the attention of his own father, uh, I think is very appealing to her. Okay. What do you think? I guess the only thing that the show really convinced me of is that here's somebody completely open and honest, and she's been around mm -hmm. a, a husband and a family where you can't, you know, stiff upper lip. You, you do have to just be quiet and get along, and, and yeah. he's not doing that. You know, did Charles ever really say to Diana, boy, my mom and father are really, you know, <laughs> driving me crazy? You don't think he would have, even if if he felt that way. And so to me, that's all I could see so far in this uh, burgeoning relationship. Excellent. Well, I've been citing a lot of kind of little history stuff. So let's go through that now with our history notes. It's about two minutes and 30 seconds. If you don't want to know what actually happened since people aren't into facts these days. Here are your history notes. For Season 6, Episode 1, Persona Non Grata, Queen Camilla's birthday is on July 17th. She was born that day in 1947. Source, a simple Google search. In the summer of 1997, Dodi's father, Muhammad, extended an invitation to Diana and her sons, Prince William, who was at the time 15, and Prince Harry, who was at the time 12, to vacation in his villa at Saint-Tropez and cruise on his $32 million yacht. On July 14th, Mohammed invited Dodi to join the party just days after Diana arrived. That, according to Vanity Fair, Dodi's alleged fiancé, Kelly Fisher, claimed that she was flown to Saint-Tropez days after Dodi and boarded another yacht owned by Muhammad. Dodi allegedly yacht-hopped between the two, spending time with both Fisher and Diana. This according to People magazine. The total amount of time that Princess Diana took the vacation with William and Harry was from July 11th through the 20th. On that July 14th, 1997 date, Three days before Camilla's birthday and four days before the party hosted by Charles, Diana shocked the press by appearing in a speedboat that approached them, passing the paparazzi to stop by a yacht on which tabloid reporters from Rupert Murdoch's Mirror Group newspapers were stationed. According to the reports filed by the reporters she spoke to, Diana asked for privacy while on vacation, revealing that William and Harry had encouraged her to move away from Britain to escape the press intrusion into her life. Contrary to the Crown's portrayal of the interaction, it didn't take place on Camilla's birthday or the day of her birthday party. Source, Newsweek Magazine. And those are your history notes for Persona Non Grata. Is it my turn? Coach T, what oh, the no. hell no. are you doing here? You are going to put play the what's worse game, right? Coach, that's not even what I'm talking about. This is Coach T, ladies and gentlemen. He is from the Bustin' Blockbusters podcast. He's supposed to only be on when I cover Wheel of Time, but he manages to find his way into every damn podcast that I'm oh, in. Oh, my goodness. Oh. 
But let me just give you some advice. The thing that you got to do is actually come up with a password for your Zoom that isn't so easy to figure out that anybody can get in. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, coach. Listen to him, Matt. Coach T knows what he's talking about. Uh, So we're going to play What's Worse? Ah, sure. Why not? What's Worse? What's Worse? It's a game that's kind of like high school debate, where... One of our contestants asks a question, the other one asks, gets to pick which answer he wants to take. It's a two-fold question. And then the person who asks the question now has to respond by arguing the opposite side, the uh, side that is left out. And then I am your arbitrator. I will decide who is the winner. Coach, wow. co- coach you can't do that. Well, why not? Because you're me, and that would be biased. Oh, what do you mean I'm you? I mean, you're me. You're me. Man, we are through the looking glass here. This is crazy. And Bubba's tired of it. See, so why don't we just let people decide on on the site formerly known as Twitter? Why don't we put polls out, and whoever argues the best argument, we can let them vote. Fine by me. Uh, who's going to ask the first question? Bubba, do you want to ask the first question? Sure. You ready? So, what's worse, your mummy, the queen? Not coming to the love of your life's 50th birthday party. Or your mummy, the queen, using a tour of the Rolls-Royce factory at Derbyshire as the excuse that the reason why she can't come. Oh, what is worse? Coach T, why don't you... No, no, no. We should give this one to Matt. Matt, what is worse? The mom not actually showing up or the mom giving you a lame excuse for why she's not showing up? Well, I'm going to wipe the floor with this one. Well, Sim- simply because um, obviously her using the Rolls Royce factory at Derbyshire is the worst. Mm. And not for the reasons that you think. Oh. Simply for the fact that Rolls Royce are crap. Get you a Lexus. Oh my God. Oh Start my endorsing God. the Lexus. Get, bring Lexus into the oh, how Great Britain. Get no. rid of Rolls Royces. Rolls Royces are crap. The status mm. symbol is something that ends up being in Wheel of Time. Oops, spoilers for Wheel of Time. Uh-huh. Um, so, you can go and figure that one out, Bubba. Now I've got you something to think about. All right, um, sure. So, obviously, uh, saying that you're going to go to the Royce Royce factory is not only an insult that you won't be at the party, but also an insult to Charles that it's not even the highest status car that you're going to send off. No. The worst thing is not showing up. You can have a lame reason for coming. Well, I only came because the Rolls-Royce factory was closed on Sunday. Like, that, the, the reason is, is minimal importance. What matters is I love this woman. Charles loves this woman. It's the love of his life. Has she not been watching the earlier episodes? And to not come to her 50th birthday party. Queen, look at it. This is a 50-year-old woman in love with your son. That means you're much older than 50. Time to get on with it. That is worse. Listen, we have hired the best caterers. We've put up the best tent. We have literally stopped the rain from coming when we are filming. And you're not going to come. That is the worst. 
there's a reason why the worst curse word out there is mother blanker. And it's because mother in front of it means the most. That is the thing that hurts the most, that we love the most and cherish the most. Hi, mom. Thanks for watching. To not come to the love of my life's 50th birthday party, you aren't allowed to come to any more birthday parties. So say I, King, in the future, Charles. Bully, bully, bully. Well, that's a good argument, Bubba. I like that argument, Best but I can't, I have to remain impartial. So what? Matt says, so I can't argue. So what we're going to do is we're going to put that up on a poll on Twitter. Uh, so, well, oh, pardon me, the site formerly known as Twitter. No. I'm not going to say what uh, what else it is. But oh, anyway, go yeah. to at LilibitPod mm -hmm. on the site formerly known as Twitter. Find the poll. Vote yes. on the poll. We'll have the yes. results when we do more. Yeah. Matt, you got a question? Yeah, let's hear no. that. No, I really don't. But, Matt, this is a game we play. All right. All right. I'll, I'll do one. One just, more. Just one more. Just one. Okay. So, Bubba, my question to you is, mm -hmm. what's worse? Maybe this is a little bit too serious. Because we try to have fun with these. Uh, but I, I don't know. Sometimes we get a little we get a little, a little into the weeds on this. But yeah. let, let me ask this. Sure. Wanting, what's worse? Wanting desperately to go to Saint-Tropez with your fiancé. Mm -hmm. but then being put on a whole different boat by your oh. future father-in-law oh. or yeah. being the mother of a boy who'd rather play Street Fighter 2 rather than enjoying St. Tropez well I currently don't have any children but I understand that a lot of parents have this issues is you take a child to a great vacation place they want to be on their phone the whole time they want to be watching YouTube they want to play their video game. So I understand that that is a true scenario that people have been dealing with for a very long time. But because that's so common, the worst thing is you are in love with somebody. You're going to marry somebody. You're going to go to this beautiful romantic Saint-Tropez location and you get stuck on the baby boat. Oh, ice cold. You mean my boat doesn't have a piano? My boat doesn't have that hot tub, like little pool that we saw on the bigger boat. I, you know, call off the wedding, cancel the minister, cancel the caterers. I am not marrying anybody who puts me on a smaller boat. Somebody who says he's going to love me and cherish me, but if only on a dinghy and not a yacht, to hell with you. Dodie, you're a dodo. That's worse. All right, that's a pretty far a good argument, Dermot. How, how are you going argument. to fight that? You well, can't. I'm just I'm gonna coach. I'm just gonna start by saying, Bubba, what? I love your argument. I think it's fantastic. Everyone You're completely does. wrong, and here's what? why. Huh? Look, yeah, it's bad enough that your kids want to play, you know, want to want to play video games instead sure. of enjoying the sights of San Tropez. I mean, forget about those press out there. They're they're always going to be there, William. Get over it. But what's really worse yeah. is the choice of game. No, no. Why not Super Mario? Why no. not Donkey Kong 3? Why yeah. not anything except Street Fighter 2? Are you I kidding know. me? The sound yes. was so bit and awful. The graphics terrible. were terrible. Yes. It's not fit for a royal. That whole mm. gaming system sucked. What are they doing here? 
Street oh, Fighter Oh, man. Two. My God. We'll put Ooh, well, that on the poll as well. This is a tough choice, Coach Trollick. What do you think? What do you What do you think, Coach Trollick? I am. I must remain neutral because Matt says mm-hmm. that I'm not a real person. So, oh, well. um, I mean, I'm kind of leaning towards Matt. Street Fighters does kind of sell. What? Mm-hmm. And nonetheless, we're putting it on Twitter at yeah. Pod on Twitter. L I L I B E T Pod on Twitter. What's up next? Feedback, it looks like. I'm out of here. Bye. See you, Coach. What's worse? What's worse? We do want to hear from our listeners, and this show only makes sense if you're listening to this and joining in with our discussion. We have just seen the release of the first part of season six on the world. It hasn't even been out 24 hours. But you put out a poll on our Twitter handle, at Pod on Twitter, and asked people, hey, if you've seen season six, episode one, how would you rate the episode? And we've got a ton of votes, and it is all across the map. What do what the results say, Matt? Yeah, the interesting thing is, is that we got 20% more voters than I have, or more votes than I have followers. Um, so that that was fun. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless. But, but come on, this is, you know, this is Twitter. They searched the crown. They're going to see this poll. And I think it's a great poll. So think, wh- what are the results? Well, we asked everybody to rate just the first episode on basically between four metrics. Fantastic, good, fair, or not so good. We got uh, 41.9% saying that the episode was fantastic and 32.3% saying that it was good. Wow. So what? that's like how much, Matt? That's like 74% of the people said it was either fantastic. That's like 74.2% of the people. On the other hand, the other 25.8% of the people Mm. uh, voted either fair or not so good. Wow. More people voted not so good than they did fair. There doesn't seem to be a middling in this as much, Bubba. It seems like people either really like it, most people really like it, but mm-hmm. those who don't like it don't like it very much at all is the impression that I'm getting here. Although well, I think a big thing is that we talked about it in season five, but now covering season six, more and more people are like, I was alive. I remember this time. I remember these things. And so it it is it is tough to add that suspension of disbelief, which all shows need need. You know, this is not, as we keep saying, this isn't real life. This is dramatic. These characters, Dominic West really doesn't look that much like Prince Charles. You know, like there's all sorts of things. And to in maybe it's just the big thing about think of how this episode opens and how we talked about how that that brings us back to those memories and thoughts we had back then. And so there could be people just voting it down and negatively because it's reminding of them of something that was, you know, really an uh, ugly moment in, in our world. And so I I guess I understand it. The fact that Peter Morgan lied, (laughs) we would, we would not see this. Yeah. I mean, semantics, man, Morgan, You could have you could have warned me that I was going to experience it. Mm. Um, 
you could have warned me instead of making it seem like it was just going to be them leaving the hotel and then Charles getting the news. That's the way it made it seem in, in several interviews that he did, uh, which I discussed in our preview podcast last week. Um, so I am uh, a little bit upset with Mr. Morgan for sensationalizing it um, just a little bit more uh, and, and, and downplaying that sensationalism. Um, although I really liked that dog was cute. I really liked <laughs> that dog. Um, so nothing against the dog or the actor who call who called emergency services. I just didn't pr- appreciate that scene. Um, that's why I would have voted it less. Okay. Uh, how about you? Where we, where we, uh, we, does your nine, I guess that falls in the, in the fantastic ep- category or does it fall in of the these choices? Yeah. It, it, I thought it was a fantastic episode. I, we have, you know, it's been for some of us a year since we watched the crown within the first 30 seconds, I was immediately hooked and glued to the television and I stayed fascinated the whole way through. I think that's success. And I, you know, once we get up to these moments, which are, like I said, some of the ugliest and most negative, you know, kind of human behavior in some ways that causes this trouble. Uh, I, I'm not afraid of, of being reminded of that. And so I, I think the show can get even higher. So that's why I only went nine out of 10. I think we can, we can go even higher. Well, Bubba, one of the things, uh, as as we got from uh, at Pogo4 on a site formerly known as Twitter, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that you mentioned was the fact that we are out of a, a, an age that, you know, we've experienced this stuff. And it still can be, it's quite much like the generation before us who distinctly remember JFK being shot. And I don't, I'm not trying to compare apples to oranges here, but this is kind of one of those landmark moments for our generation, right? Yes. In the same way that that was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, this person says, I lived through this, I think meaning the show altogether, uh, or at least a a good, especially this part of the show. Oh, yeah. um, And saying great saga. So uh, that might be the, the, the place where you're talking about that. Depends on how they felt about those events or not even that, but, um, you know, what the effect of reliving these events has for them. Right. It's, you know, if you can somehow think of it, and it's so smart, you mentioned the Kennedy assassination and how in America they had kind of like a Camelot feel. And it it's easy to kind of get romanticized up in the in the story. And not think about these are real people. These are real highs and real tragedies in their lives. If you just think of it as a, you know, almost kind of the story, uh, it is a great saga, as crazy as that is to say about people's real lives. Yeah, absolutely. Well, folks, that's just about all the feedback that we have. But that doesn't mean that you should say, well, you've gotten some. You don't need mine. We need yours. We're begging yes. for yours. We yes. want to be able to spend half the podcast reading your thoughts as opposed to us having to, you know, use the mental gymnastics to try and come up with our own. So send your thoughts to at LilibitPod on the site formerly known as Twitter, or you can send them to at the word double, the letters PHQ, the word P for podcast, HQ for headquarters. You can actually use that spelling for all of the socials like Instagram, Hive, and, of course, on Facebook, facebook.com slash the, the word double, the letters P-H-Q. 
And you can leave comments on our YouTube videos as yes. well, which always come out within a day or so of the time that the audio podcast comes out. We love hearing from you there. We love interactions there as well. And it, when then when you get the link to the show notes or in the show notes to my contest, you, all you got to do is click on it and you're right there. You're already on YouTube. It's easy as pie. But you got to go to the channel and you have to like it and you have to subscribe to it. And we want you to hit those notification bells. As my friend John McGonagall likes to say, yo, hit that notification bell, yo. And that way you'll be sure to know when the next at murder at the end of the world is coming out. You'll oh. know when the next podcast that I do is coming out that you can avoid. And wow. that way you are informed, always more informed than us. We want to hear from you youtube.com slash at the word double the letter p the word media gets you there and then there's just three little buttons to hit that like button that subscribe button and that notification bell yo we'll see you next time on podcast a little bit where we will be discussing the music of all four of these episodes found a very interesting little quip in this one uh and hopefully gonna find more in the other three You'll get those somewhere around Thanksgiving or a little after. And then the next week we'll be back, hopefully with Susan, to review the rest of part one. And then returning once again to review part two. We're trying to do this in real time. The first time this podcast has ever done it. See ya. Incredible. to Matt's audio blog at gmail.com and find all back episodes and other information at mattsaudioblog.com.